Welcome to Black Fashion History, the podcast that celebrates the contributions of Black people all around the world to the fashion industry. It's Black History, but make it fashion. And I'm your host, Taniqua Russ. Today, I'm highlighting designer and stylist Tony Dennis, also known as the Stitch Doctor. Tony, who's affectionately known as Stitch, has over 30 years of experience in the fashion industry. He has worked with a variety of publications as well as celebrities and professional athletes, including Shaquille O'Neal, Michael B. Jordan, Vivica A. Fox, Keisha Cole, Jada Pinkett, and so much more. He's known around the industry as the Stitch Doctor for his impeccable tailoring and stitching skills. So I'm so excited to bring you Tony's story and let's get into it. Can you share a little bit just about your background, maybe how you grew up and then what or who inspired you to first pursue fashion? I would say um, it's probably my mother, you know, um, that's that's a good question because I've never really thought of myself as a fashion person. I've always um, went at uh, my creativity as just being unique and different. Um, I've always had a different style to myself. I was thinking about um, something similar to this the other day. Um, Like, when did I start, like, really noticing that I might have something going on with me? And I remember I used to take my mother's clothes, you know, not to say I wanted to be a cross-dresser, and I don't have anything against the cross-dress community, but I remember I used to take some of her stuff and, you know, slacks, because I didn't have slacks when I was little. So I would take her slacks and wear them to school with a shirt of mine's and and just just do different stuff, you know, and just, you know, and, um, you know, I wouldn't dress it up as a, as a girl, but I would just always try to be different. And I think with that um, started my creativity. I always told my mother that I wanted to be a, a designer um, and I grew up to be one. So then at what, you said you weren't, um, you never thought of yourself, or I guess you didn't pinpoint the moment where you're like, okay, I'm really into fashion. Uh, but when- oh, you, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, well, when was the moment where you said, okay, I think I'm going to pursue this as my career? It had to be when I was working. Um, I dropped out of college um, at the age of like, 19 and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I remember I went to school. My parents and my family sent me to schools um, for the art. Okay. I was luckily able to have a, 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 um, a high school career at a vocational high school um, for arts and for advertising art. So, you know, the time when I came up, it was a lot earlier than when you guys come up. Like, you know, we used to have to go out to make money, go um, paint um, corner stores and do different things like that, do the windows for corner stores. And so where I'm from in Buffalo, New York, there's always a corner store, like every two or three blocks, it's a yeah, corner store. I'm originally from New York too, so I, I know. Which so you know, right? There's a yeah. corner store everywhere, so... You know, and, you know, my mother and them used to send me up to the store. So I used to, you know, I knew the owners and stuff. And I would ask them if I could paint their, their store. So I got like a little rep, like Tony can do the stores. 
And so I would do that at a young age, you know, while I was in high school, just to make a couple of dollars. And what happened was I worked, I got a, when I dropped out of college, I got a job, God willingly, I mean, God willingly and God blessed the creator for this. He got me a job at this place called Escalator Handrail Company. And they hired me due to the fact that I had a somewhat of an artistic background. Okay. And what happened, we used to paint handrails and we used to get paint all over our clothes by painting the handrails. You know, it's just our, it's our sloppy uniforms. But, you know, my grandmother could never get this ink out. And which was so funny was that um, I used to try to figure out, like, you know, you know, what is it? You know, why is it sticking so good? Me being creative, I started making T-shirts for my friends. We used to go to parties, house parties and stuff, and we wanted to have our own little shirts. And that's when I first started noticing that I had an itch for fashion because I used to make my crew the shirts. And when we would go out, it'd be like six, seven of us. And we'll get so much attention. And, you know, we could talk to girls. It was an icebreaker. So you ain't got to be like, yo, hey, hey. You know, they be like, oh, I like your shirt. And so you're like, oh, I, you know, we start talking to, to, to girls. And also, too, just to, to break the ice to talking to people. And I like that feeling. I love that feeling, like, you know. And from there, I started my own company, which was called No Names, which I'm wearing the shirt right now. It stands for us as Black people being robbed of our identity. I started that company in 1992 because um, the Escalator Hammer Company transferred me, another thing, I give thanks to the creator, transferred me to Iowa. And I went to Iowa, and there, there's, you know, a kid from Buffalo, New York, going to Iowa, it's, there's nothing to do. Right. There was nothing for me to do but stay in my, stay in my little uh, apartment and draw and I used to wear T-shirts back then of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and Muhammad Ali. You know, that was the thing then. We used to wear like the the, the big, the bangles, bigger than this though. The big ones with the red, white, and blue. And um, and I started my, my clothing line, No Names, No Names Designs in 1992. And it's still going today. It's, it, it stands for us as Black people being robbed of our identity. And No Names has helped me... Uh, get to where I am right now. And, you know, I, I give so much thanks to that. That's really my real true. I'm, I'm, that's how I really got into fashion was off a of fluke. And I started doing my clothing line with the t-shirts and the t-shirts with the drawing. And then what happened was, I don't want to tell you the whole story. Cause you're going to, I, you know, you know, they call me stitch, <laughs> but uh, I had to, I wanted to sew my tags, my names on the back of the shirts. And I wanted to put, no names, uh, tags in this. That's how I started learning how to stitch. Okay, so I'm gonna before we get into the stitch doctor part, mm-hmm. I want to stay on no name for a little bit. So when you started in 1992, um, what was it like? You know, trying to get this fresh new clothing brand out, and I know at the time, um, you know, there are similar kind of like clothing brands being pushed especially in new york no oh there was no this was what's funny is that um when i started in 92 um which was you know i just had like a two-year-old daughter um it was it was and at the time i mean i remember i'm starting in iowa Uh i'm not starting in new york but i got support from buffalo new york and stuff like that but but see 
nobody was wearing, nobody was, we was just wearing t-shirts at the time of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, those type of shirts, that five, $10 shirts, you get a good quality shirt. The print is dope. You're going to wear it one or two times. And after that's the bedroom shirt. Okay. And there was a few clothing lines that was out back then um, that inspired me, um, that pushed me and made me drive to be where I am now. But the market was nowhere near like how it is now. Um, no one gave me no support. No one gave me no, um, um, showed me the way. I had to learn everything on my own. So I think that a lot of times when I look back at where I'm at right now, I give thanks to that. I had to teach myself a lot of tricks, a lot of ways of doing I wasn't even a businessman. I'm just a young kid who dropped out of college, working at a plant and working the plant. We're trying to start my business, trying to figure out how do I sell my shirts. But I had, um, I give thanks again to a female, my first wife. She gave me an idea and she said, let's start up a black college tour. And I was like, a college tour? No, I don't want to do that. I want to pop the trunk in the hood. You know, I wanted to pull up Buffalo style. You know, I wanted to pull up, pop the trunk. She was like, no, no, trust me. You're going to get in touch with the Black Student Union and you're going to find a way to sell your stuff professionally. And through that, that led me to the Black Expo. That led me to kids coming back to me, calling me like, yo, I wore my shirt in my neighborhood, the local store around the corner. I want to buy your shirts and put them in, your, in their store. So a, a lot of things um, I, I, I grew. And, and at the time, you know, people wasn't really wearing urban clothing. And I wasn't really, I wasn't urban. At the time we had cross colors, I think. Mm-hmm. Cross, and, and then cross colors was fading out. And nobody else was doing clothes but cross colors at this time. So either you wore cross colors or you just were still wearing some whatever, just... No, I mean, just nothing. So everybody thought my brand, No Names, was a great name because it's like a no-name brand, but that wasn't the thing. It had a, me- a message behind it. And, um, yeah, it was it was great. Uh, you know, there was like maybe, I got listed in 1996 in America's Top 100 um, hip-hop, no, not hip-hop, what do they call it? Um, urban, urban designers. So that was in 96 and that was in Mr. Magazine. So, and at that time, the only people that on there that I really knew about was Mark Echo, Maurice Malone, Carl Kanai, myself, a um, hundred miles and running. Um, who else was on there? Uh, it was maybe like two or three other brands and the rest of them were, you know, Jewish companies that was, making clothes for our culture yeah but they and they were using the black designer once they start finding like oh yo you know we get a black designer they're inside they're in the neighborhood they know to make what they want and then after that of course that all designers fell out i mean fell off and they went with marketing and that is they're now making designers out of rappers and Anybody, you got a brand, if you got a hundred thousand or a million followers, we'll make you a designer because they want your platform. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, that I would have to say, um, all of that tied in. And then after the, after the, uh, the, the black 
college tour, it just started snowballing. It was like, and no names was off and running, you know? So as a young, you know, kid with no previous business experience, you know, how did you handle that growth? I would have to say uh, I handled the growth with my family, my friends, who are all still great supporters now. And at the time, and, you know, my female companions, which was both my two wives, I would definitely say at the time, you know, I'm not married now, but um, that was that was my greatest support, you know, just keeping me grounded and, you know, and, and let me be me. Just, you know, both of them let me be creative, let me be adventurous in my creativity. And, you know, and I, I have I give all the things to that and also to the creator, the, the most high. Mm-hmm. So I know you say you started sewing when you were stitching the tags in your shirts. Like what led you to start doing that? Because I don't know if, you know, I'm young, so I don't know if back then if there were like the tags, if that was a, you know, a big thing. That, that was a big thing. Well, to me, it was because I looked at it like this, that if, you're not official if you don't have the tag on your shirt. Like if you have a, t- a shirt and it just has like gill down in it or if it had pewter maloons in it, I didn't want it. I didn't want that. So at the time when I used to see um, like we used to go to the show called the Black Expo. And I remember when I first went to the show, I had gill down tags in my shirts. And everybody else, but I, you know, I had guild on tags in the shirts and I went and ran into this company in Toronto and they're, they're dope too. They're called two black guys. And that was back in the nineties and their stuff was real, real conscious. Um, not militant, but just very conscious. I like, I like shirts and things that have a meaning to it. And I'm still that way today. Um, and I was in, I was just in awe with two black guys, but they had these, these tags on the bottom of their shirts. It was a big two and it had black guys in it. And I was like, Oh, that's dope. That's dope. I got it. I got to do the no names like that. And then that's what got me thinking about putting tags in. But so what I did was I got a sewing machine for, from the Goodwill. I think we went to the Goodwill or a thrift store or something. Uh, me and my first wife and she, got the machine and she was going to be the one sewing and I was going to be the one folding all the shirts and putting them in the box. But she was slow, too slow. She was just too slow. And I'm about production. You know, that's just me. That's, you know, and I, you know, I remember never forgetting. She never forgets. We got to an argument and she was like, when you think you, you think this is so easy, you should just do it yourself. Ah, I'm done. Leave me, just leave me alone. And I was like, well, I got it. I said, just show me how to do it. And she showed me how to do it. And I played with it, played with it, played with it. Next thing you know, I was doing one or two shirts. And the next thing you know, I went for me doing seven, eight boxes of shirts. I was, I had to put the tags in the shirts. So, and I would sit up all night, watch Martin Lawrence or watch whatever, and just sit there and cut the snips of the, the fabric off and put them in a big pile and fold them back and flip me away, come up with a concept, snip it clean all the shirts after, because it's not just about the sewing. A lot of people think sewing is the key, but it's not, it's, it's this whole process. You got to set it up. You got sewing is just like, 
yeah. you're done. You know, but everything else, you got to fold it. You got to do this. You got to snip. Make sure ain't nothing there, no fabric and stuff. So that's how I got started. By, and, and then doing so many, you know, and then we left Iowa um, and came to Atlanta. And then it was like on. I opened up my first store, No Names, and I started sewing in there, trying to make outfits and stuff for people. And, you know, people used to come and be like, you made these clothes? And I'd be like, yeah, and I didn't. I just put a tag in. I was lying. Like, yeah, yeah, I just put a tag in. But this one lady with dress came up. She tried me. She was like, yo, I want you to make me a hat. I said, a hat? I said, "Um, how do you make a hat? You know, because I could figure something out. I can go find something and, I was I was very creative. And she said to me, all I had is, is just take it. All I want you to do uh, is just, just for my hair, just make it and put a little piece of elastic in it. I'm going to show you what to do. And she showed me. I did it. And then she came back and said, can you make me a skirt? I said, oh, she said, a skirt ain't no more than a big hat. And I did that for her. And then next thing you know, just a lot of things started snowballing for me to sew. And I started picking up on the machine. And, and that was that, you know, and. You know, I had my store, No Names, you know, and um, that was my first store. I had from 95 to 2000 to 2000. What to made two- you want to come down to Atlanta? My first wife, she was like, we got to get out of Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't feeling it. She was like, we got to go. We got to be around some of us. You know, it was cool being around, you know, in Iowa, but she was like, yo, we have to, uh, she wanted to, she was Caribbean. She wanted to come to Atlanta and, and experience life over here in Atlanta. And also too, the Olympics was going on. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah Atlanta is a black Mecca, so. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really want to come here, but um, when I look back at it now, I can say Atlanta's been good to me. Okay, so you moved to Atlanta, you opened up your first store, No Name. Um, did you run into any challenges with that store? Yeah, you know, there was a couple of challenges, but, you know, things was, um, you, it, it was quite easy. You know, I have to say the only challenges I really had was really, was probably my personal life just trying to balance my life. The business side of things was not challenging enough because the talent, I think my talent and my determination to try to win and my crew and my family and the support, I've always had support to get me to, you know, cause it's like, you know, everything I've done, I'm not trying to be braggish or boisterous, but I've always been like top five. You know, I, I played high school football. I was a good football player, ran track. I was a good track runner. I was, you know, I was well-liked. I was, um, you know, got the job by just a fluke for uh, the, the handrail company. And then I was the first one to get transferred out of everybody in the plant. They picked me and transferred me to Iowa. So, you know, I've always been um, fortunate, you know. So I would have to say just personal life was like a lot of challenges, you know, that 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 I had to deal with. You know, family, my mother, my uh, wife's going through that. I told you I have two wives, so you know I have to go through divorce and situations. And those was a lot of hard obstacles for me. But as far as talented, I mean, as far as um, obstacles for my business, I would thrive into that because of what I was going through uh, with my personal life. I would go to my 
studio or to no names or whatever and just get in there and just mm-hmm. I could block everything out and just be Tony and just do be Tony. They used to call me Tony from no names then. So then how'd you go from Tony from no name to Stitch Doctor? <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. That's funny, too, because I I didn't call myself the Stitch Doctor. This not a name I came up with or, or like that's a it's going to be my 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 um, my ab lib. Call me Stitch Doctor. Um, I, at, at my house, what happened was that at a time I had a, a a daughter and she was a baby, a little little baby. And so my second wife at the time, you know, I told her that she doesn't have to. Uh, one of us who's going to have to stay home with the baby, and she had a a career. And so I told her, you you go ahead and continue with your career. I'll stay home and become a stay home dad, you know, and take care of the kids. And so what I would do is I would do that and I would be in my basement and in my basement, um, I would have the kids on my backpack, like in these little kitty backpacks. <laughs> my friends would tell you, like, you know, and I had dreads at the time and my kids would be on my back and I'll be making stuff for promoters and stuff like that. Tony, no name stuff. And, um, one of my friends had came downstairs and he was like, yeah, we in the lab, we in the lab, it's the lab. You know, and they kept calling it like every time, you know, friends would come over where you were tone at tones in the lab. So, and then it went from in the lab, you know, get my friends would be now since, you know, they joking. We might be, you know, just hanging out and they'll be like, yo, he doing it like a he's he over there stitching out like a, you know, he's like stitch doctor like that. And they start saying it like, yo, yes, you know, he's over here. That's the doctor. The doctor in the lab, the doctor in the lab, the doctor in the lab. What is it? Well, then they came over. Where's the doctor at? Where's Doc at? Where's the doctor at? Doctor in the lab. And then I was sewing something, and my boy said, "Yeah, you, you putting that stitch on there, stitch doctor." And I was, then it just kept going. The next time, my friends kept coming over, like, "Yo, stitch, yo, stitch, yo, doc, yo, stitch, stitch doctor, stitch, stitch doctor, doc, doctor stitch." stitch. <laughs> It's just been, and it's been an amazing story, like, you know, and then um, I opened up a, a showroom, which was my tailor shop uh, from out, out of my basement, you know, when um, my kids got a little older, I had went and um, opened up me a store, um, a tailor shop called Stitches, Stitches, and out of Stitches, um, and how I came up with the name for that, because I was going to call it No Names again, and my friend's we was hanging out. One of my friends said, well, why would you call it no names? We've been there. We've done that. We are down still with no names, but I think you should call it stitch the home of the stitch doctor. I said, what? And I was like, yes, yeah, it's, it's well liked. It's, it's an easy name. It's for everybody. It won't offend anybody. And, and I opened that store up and that went from uh, 2005 all the way up until last year. And you know, and then that's where I started doing custom work and everything in there, making bags and all that kind of stuff. So you are completely self-taught. Um, yes. That's amazing. So how many, I guess, years did it take you to go from, you know, just learning how to sew a hat to being to the point where you can create, you know, or do some custom work for your clients? It took, um, well, in the, in the, what was funny is in the basement, in the lab, you know, I used to be, I used to like to do reconstructing. 
And so like, you know, and, um, but we used to, I would, I would put pressure on myself. So what I would do is like DJs and stuff like that at the club. I used to go hang out at me and my wife. We would, she found like a couple DJs she liked and she says, yo, you know what? Forget them rappers. Let's sponsor DJs. And I was like, okay. She says, you know, you just put them in no names. And I'll go up to them. And everybody started knowing me for this. Like after a while, like, yo, Stitchy be like, you know, I mean, I said, I mean, um, Tony No Names would come and be like, yo, every Friday, once a month, and I'll give you an outfit with your, with your logo on it and your name on it, but no names on it too. So you see, I'm collab. I was on a collab before I was collab. <laughs> You know, I was, uh, you know, and um, they loved it. So, and I would go to Goodwill and stuff. She, and she said, I will give you only 30 bucks, though. You got to work with this 30 bucks to create whatever your platform is. Mm-hmm. So I would go to the thrift store and I would buy a, sh- a hat or a shirt or a jean or something. And I'll make a whole outfit. That might cost me $10. And then I'll go back to the house and I'll cut it all up. And then try to figure out how to sew it back together. And the key to the whole process that got me sewing hats and becoming the, the, the master uh, tailor is that I used to try to sew the logo. So the no names, I would have to try to sew, go up and down and go around it. Because I ain't had no silk screen or heat press machine. <laughs> Only thing I knew I'd do is was I had to cut it out, which I was crafty enough to figure out a way I got this ancient Chinese secret that everybody who worked at my store that will, will that that came on be underneath me. They all know it's an ancient Chinese secret. Do never tell nobody the secret about how we make appliques. And we used to make appliques and then sew them. Well, I used to make appliques and then sew them down with your logo on it. And everybody was fabricated. I would put different whatever whatever I found at that thrift store to put it together. And I would come to the club with it, or I'll pull up at your house the day of the party and be like, yo, here you go, man. You know, yo, Tony, what do I owe you? You owe me nothing, man. Just make sure I can get into the party. Because the party <laughs> gonna be hot. And I know you're gonna be in there like, yo, Tony, no names in the building. And it used to just be like so we can get in the party, free me and my entourage, but it worked out beautiful. And you know, it helped me just start sewing and just and then when I got that store. That was a, a real challenge there, too, because I remember I opened up my store to do alterations and um, I didn't even know how to do a hem. And this one of my uh, club owners was like, yo, I heard you got the new store open. You know, I, I, you know, I, I want to support you. Can you hem my pants? And I was like, OK. And it took me six hours to hem a pair of pants. Now it takes me six seconds, not six seconds, but six minutes. It took me six. I couldn't figure it out. I just couldn't figure out. I kept going back and forth like, how do you do this? How did they do that on some dress pants? So, you know, just what jobs come in. I remember I did some coats. I wanted to do take in coats and take in pants. I sewed somebody's pants legs together. One time the customer tried to pants on. He was mad. Uh, sewed his arm together on the coat, still trying to take the coat in. He was mad. So I started learning things and had to learn. And, and you know, and I, I'm very observant. And also, too, when you're a leader, see, I was a leader of my, I had employees. 
So I, you know, I had to make sure, like, yo, you know, at least knew what I was doing. I would even, I would give jobs to my employees. Like people come and say, yo, can I do alterations for you? I'd be like, sure, because you know, I got to talk to people and stuff. But I would learn from them, you know, and and that's how I got where I'm at, you know, um, you know. So I know you worked with a lot of celebrities over the course of your career. But what was it like when you got that first celebrity client? I think the first celebrity client that really blew my mind had to be the first celebrity that that, that the experience that I've ever had. And that was on BET. Um, I was in Iowa and I I got my phone just kept ringing. I was like, yo, this was before cell phones. The phone just kept ringing. I'm sitting there trying to watch the NBA basketball game or or something. Or I was watching the O.J. Simpson trial or something like that. And the phone just kept ringing, kept ringing, kept ringing. I was like, what the heck? Did something happen? And so I go to the phone and I get the phone. and, And it's one of my boys. He was like, yo, dude. Turn to BET. I said, turn to BET. And it was Donnie Simpson. I don't know if you know who he is, but Donnie Simpson is the, was the host of BET. Him and a lady named um, something Carter. And he's on the TV with, with this shirt on. And he's up to talk about, yo, yeah, next video up on BET. And this and third. And I was like, whoa, that's Donnie. I said, yo, we're we, we going crazy. Hang up the phone, phone, steady ring. Yo, did you see Donnie Simpson? And that was that was my first experience to to really um I mean, but we've had experiences like Lauren Hill used to come hang out at our booth at the Black Expo, you know, but stuff that people won't 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 believe me just telling them. Like we had um um Jada Pinkett, you know, got some of our merchandise and was signing stuff back then, Joe Claire. It was just crazy. It was just, you know, at the no names. Um, I've been very fortunate. Yes. That, that, that my first my first experience got to be my best. Now, you know, now, of course, you know, I don't nothing really is like, OK, Let's, you know, everybody's everybody. I don't I don't I don't yeah. get excited. I don't get excited over it just because you say or what you've accomplished. Is there anybody you would get excited for? Uh, your career. Obama. Okay. <laughs> if Obama be like, yo, man, what can you do for me, dog? I'd be like, whoa, you know, Obama, of course, Oprah, uh, who else? Um, um, you know, I'm rocking with my boys right now, Griselda. I'm like, I'm not really feeling them. They that's that's a Buffalo thing right there, you know. <laughs> if Rick James was around, but I met I didn't meet him, but I remember he was in my house when I was little. You know, just just people that's really that I really find that's uh, you know. Um, but to tell you the truth, I'm so after seeing people who come to my tailor shop and spend their hard on money. I don't get phased by nobody. I'd rather do something for somebody that's coming off the street or something with their hard on money than get excited about any celebrity. So, but yeah, you know, you know, I, I get I get more excited about making you an outfit and you tell me, oh, yo, I wore it to the party and yo, yo, Stitch, yo, everybody went crazy. I'd be like, whoa, what? Ooh, I like, you know, you know, I, I don't do it for the, anybody who knows me to say he doesn't do it for the money. I do it for the woo-wee. 
So as a black man in fashion, you know, for almost what, 30 plus years, mm-hmm. you know, what has your experience been like? We know that you have lots of positives. If you share, you know, you've had your own stores, you've had some celebrity clients, you had uh, just great loyal everyday clients, you know, all of that. But have you had any negative experiences, you know? Have I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. Um, I won't say any names, though. Okay. I've, that's had, I've, I've had, had some negative experiences. I had some 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 people I tried to help get to this point. Um, and I thought that, you know, after I was content of just re- retiring, being a, a, a tailor, and, you know, and people I'm bringing up as understudies. They're telling me I'm washed up. I'm a I'm an old man. I'm I don't know what I'm doing. I'm an uncle designer. Don't nobody want to wear my designs. Um, you know, I had that. I had people, other designers, uh, um, get mad at me and stuff. Uh, don't want to share me or don't want to acknowledge me on 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 any of their platforms. But I acknowledge them on mine's. You know, I got people I make stuff for. They don't want to give me no 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 shout outs or don't want to like my stuff because they don't want nobody to know where they're getting their stuff from. Like, what the? You yeah, know? that's a big that's a big thing. And yeah, it's like, no, nah, man, I don't want to do that for you. And just also too, you know, I ask people think that you know they they made me. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have been here. You know, I've had even I even had even my um my um my own workers. Had issues with them, you know. Everybody wants. Some people want the same shine you have. Some people, you know, want the same success. And you know, and it's okay for them to have that success off of your uh, umbrella, under your umbrella. But don't try to challenge or try to. Once you feel you're making it, like you feel like you passed the, the teacher, you know. So I've had that. I've had. I've had so many situations. You know, it's and, and you know, it's been a lot of times it just be for you know, either greed or envy for them to try to try to succeed. You know, and I'm um, I'm just a humble person. You know, I stay I stay my course. The one thing I do, um, I'm always continue to do, and I stay in my lane. You know, I stay in my lane. I don't try to. I don't want to be a a designer now. Next thing you know, I want to be a rapper. I'm a designer now and open up five barbershops. I'm a designer now just because I see you did that and that's what you did. You know, I don't, I've always been like, I'm a designer and I'm a real designer. I'm not a rapper who wants to say I'm a designer. You know, it's a difference. You know, I'm not, you know, I I don't call myself a designer because I can print t-shirts. You know, I started there, you know, I know how to sew. I, I can make anything, you know, like I just made these jeans I got on right now. They fired. You know, it's just it's just what I do. So, you know, um, it's a beautiful thing. And I like that, you know. So, you you know, you persevered through all of that, um, through mm-hmm. the ups and the downs of your career. Um, you've had successful businesses. And now you are also the co-founder of Tote & Carry. How did that come about? What made you go from clothes and no name to you know, now bags and luggage and accessories? Um, well, what happened was I used to, uh, 
it's you know my my wife at one point she had asked me to make for her boss a laptop bag um one time and she says can you make me a laptop bag for my boss uh oh some it's like some kind of oversized laptop bag right it's like a 22 inch or something he couldn't find a, a bag for it so what happened was um she asked me to make it and I said, okay, I'll do it. Went and bought the material. We made it. He didn't, he liked it, but the size was too, was wrong. Okay. So she says, make another one. I said, okay. I made it, put his name on it, made it even more better. He loved it. Wow. Whoosh. So that got me kind of interested in bags and me and her were always bag lovers. Anyways, wearing little bags, little stuff, little, you know, little simple bags. And then my daughter had a, a birthday and um, it was this Dr. Dr. Not Dr. Seuss, but Dr. Dr. Who? Or is there a yeah, Dr. Who? Yeah, there's a Dr. Who. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> who. Okay. Yeah. She was into Dr. Who. So they was like, can you, why don't you make Eris a Dr. Who bag? And I said, okay. So I made her a Dr. Who bag. Everybody loved that. And then from there, um, a customer came into my store one day and was like, yo, we want to get some promotional bags, my boy, big cuz. And, um, and they was like, yo, we want to get some, some bags for our flyers. when we go out to Southeast Southwest? Can you make us some backpacks or something like that? So I said, sure. And I made that. So wait, you're doing all of these like on your sewing machine. Yeah. (laughs) So no manufacturing, nothing, just, the sewing machine. No manufacturing, no patterns, no nothing. <laughs> Just cut, sew, go, make it. Let's see what it come out to be. And everyone I made was hot. <laughs> everyone was hot. And everybody, they kept coming back like, yo, everybody love our bags. Yo, tone, yo, yo, stitch, yo, boom, 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 boom. And then from there, at my store... I started just making bags just, just mm-hmm. of my own because I like the creativity. And I would hang them up in my shop. And... Um, through all of that, you know, uh, my my little brother, Hari, you know, he's working at a strip club and they had a promotion one night where 50 cents was coming through the club. And he was like, yo, um, I want to get 50 cents like a, a varsity jacket. He wanted me to make a custom varsity jacket. I was like, mm, 50 varsity jacket. I think he has a couple of those already. So I told my bro, I said, let's make him a a, a bag. I'm already making bags. Let's make, let's get 50 or 50 cent back. He was like, word. <laughs> Made that, blew 50 cents brains away. You know, he was like, yo, this ain't my, because I, I said to make it a bag for your bottle. He says, oh, uh, yo, 50 was so excited that 50 said, this ain't my bottle bag. This is going to be my money bag. And so that went over well. And then the producer, drummer boy, wanted to get him some bags made. I made drummer some bags. Um, for him and Keisha Coles. And it's just that, you know, I started to realize that people like custom bags, you know? And then what happened was um, one of my manufacturers came to town um, to visit uh, Atlanta. And, um, you know, we hooked up and next, you know, he comes into my showroom and he sees my bags. Well, he came there to do some other business. He saw the bags and was like, yo, what the heck? Yo, he says, man, I don't want to do the other business. I want to do the bags with you. 
He says, or I just want to be one of your manufacturers. You're dope. You're a dope designer. I think you haven't gotten your dues yet. I think a lot of people don't know about you. He was so excited. Um, that's my business partner today. He was like, yo, I found a quarter in the grass. Like how you barely find a quarter. He says, I found a quarter in the grass and I ain't going to let you go. And he just stayed on me. Let's do business. I was like, nope, nope. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it because um, I had a lot of ups and downs with wholesale. And I just said, I don't want to do it. And then he pursued me to do it. And he said, you know, you can call the brand, come up with the name. He wanted to call it No Names. And I was like, nah. He's like, Dude, whatever you want to do, I believe you. And he was like, yo, you know, whatever you want to come up with. So I thought of the name, you know, Tote and Carry, you know, and because I was like, bag, bag. You know, bags are totes and they're carries. And it just hit me. Call it tote and carry. <laughs> you know, and, it was, and he didn't like the name at first. He was like, nah, I actually asked everybody. They don't like that. I said, dude, trust me. And see, that went back to my high school uh, uh, logo skills. You know, sometimes you'd be thinking like something don't, 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 don't make sense. But I remember my high school teacher said, you always want to make your logo simple with a legible and it's easy to pronounce. And I was like, that's what I want. I don't want to be like, ooh, Von Shay Wan, or, you know, <laughs> or, you know, you see some people's logos, they be all spinning and cursive, you know, all this, but people can't see it. They can't catch it. And I just went with that. And that's, and it hit. And he was, you know, we, we struggled, boy, we struggled, but we hit. When we hit, we hit. So what's next for you? What's next for me? Mm, I don't know. Retirement. That's really? what I'm doing. Well, I'm retired now from, from someone, uh, you know, at my store. I closed my store. I retired, especially with COVID and everything. Um, it made it pretty tough for us to try to, um, you know, I didn't want to be touching around, around people like that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think what's next for me is... Um, I'm going to leave it up to the creator and let him guide me. I'm very excited about my future. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, you know, I know it's going to be something nice and special. I don't know. You know, I don't really want to say, I just, wherever the yellow brick road takes me to, that's what's next. You okay, know, yeah. I, um, yeah, that's where it is. You know, I, I'm sure it's still going to be something with fashion or I, you know, I can't see it not being, um, you know, I remember one time when I didn't even have any fashion. My friends used to laugh at me about my clothes. And now they call me for everything. Well, I'm going to this party. I'm going to this wedding. What do you think, Tom? Yo, yo, Tom, what do you think? What do you think? You like what I got on? I'd just be laughing. I'd be like, I remember y'all used to talk about me. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it's not <laughs> retirement. No, it's not retirement. Okay, no, good. Gonna... You got to stick around, share your talents with the world. Um, there's well, many people that have to experience, you know, stitch doctor. Well, Tanika, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity for you uh, allowing me to uh, be on your platform and to share my story. You know, it really means a lot to me. Um, and, you know, I look forward to seeing your your beautiful work in the future on other platforms. I see you're uh, a young African-American woman. You know, and I think that's very beautiful. Uh, and you're inspiring others to to go forward with their dreams, because when I was young, 
we wasn't doing this, you know. And when I was young, we stayed. They tried to keep us on the uh, in the black communities. Like uh, if you wanted to be a barber or a hairstylist or the shoemaker, but you wasn't going out to this type of level. You wasn't having no podcast or no TV show or anything like that, you know. Well, thank you for that. And I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story. You know, my goal with Black Fashion History is to be able to give people like you who've been doing this work for years, um, give you your just do and give you your flowers while you're here and, and you know, introduce to some um, and celebrate to others just the work that you've done. So I'm excited. Thank I can't you. wait till this goes out and people get to hear about you Um and when they want to start looking you up, where can they find you? Um, you can find me at on IG at the Real Stitch Doctor. Also, too, you can find me at No Names Designs. You can go online to nonamesdesigns.org. And, of course, you can find me at Token Carry. You just type in Token Carry. It's popping <laughs> up. I don't care where you type, how you type. You get to T-O-T, it's going to come up. So you can find me there. And that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Black Fashion History. If you love what you heard, and I know that you did, make sure to follow us on all podcasting platforms and on social media at Black Fashion History Podcast. You can also find us on our website at www.blackfashionhistory.com. But of course, above all else, tune again next week for another Black Fashion History installment. Bye-bye.